Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Sold, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. There are reports out there that he was unhappy with playing time and got into it with one of the coaches after the game. Can you confirm that? Wish him the best in Houston. That was back on November 18th, the Burns and Gambo show. Gambo questioning uh, Steve Kime, the general manager of the Cardinals, about uh, you know unanswered question to this day, for the most part. Uh, and that was the release of Eno Benjamin. Just seemed strange, out of the clear blue. Um, it you know it came after the the news of that came after a, a, a Cliff Kingsbury press conference availability. You know we thought we would see something about it on Hard Knocks. We didn't. The Cardinals. That's been basically their standpoint. Is we wish him well in Houston. Like the the Texans claimed him. Mm-hmm. He's finally starting to get some playing time there. And Hard Knocks initially teased that yes they we, were, we would see something on hard knocks and then poof we did not they were on the ph and uh, uh, one of their directors not steve trout who we talked to yesterday was another director uh was on the phnx cardinals podcast and not only teased it but really built it up and used the word shocking to see what happened we didn't see any of it which, uh, which only added to the intrigue yes. to the story Yesterday on your podcast that you do with Mike Jarecki, Arizona yes. Football Daily. There's, there's your plug, yeah. yeah how about that? Yeah. <laughs> Every day, Arizona Football Daily. This subject came up. Uh, you had been talking about you know, our visit with Steve Trout yesterday, and we were we, we were recapping the yeah. interview. And the, but let's you know, let's set it up. So Steve, it's probably important. So we actually asked Steve mm-hmm. if the Cardinals had final cut, final edit, and they asked you guys to not air certain storylines or stories. We didn't even bring up Eno specifically, just in general. Steve said, no, that did not happen. You followed up and said, so the Eno story, they did not ask you not to tell that, and Steve basically said, well, we just didn't have it. Yes. We didn't have the video. That's correct. And then, so Mike and I followed up a conversation about that on the podcast, and then Mike had information about exactly what happened with Eno. Eno comes out the night that it was supposed to be uh, on the show. Nothing happened. Well, he's not telling the truth. Uh, I think we both know he refused to go back in the game. And then he got in a confrontation with one of his position coaches. I don't know if he challenged him to a fight. Now, I don't know if the boom makes picked that up. But the reason why it was a swift move by the Cardinals, he refused to go in the game. He, he And to me, he quit on his team. But that never came out. See, the way it was presented, and I know Kent Summers had said this on another podcast, that, and it was kind of widely believed Eno Benjamin was upset with a lack of playing time, that the Cardinals were going with a heavier dose of James Conner when he came back from the injury after Eno had been the guy. Uh, what Mike is saying, I hadn't heard that before. I don't know if you had heard that before. Uh, that he refused to go back in the game, that to me makes a hell of a lot more sense cutting a guy who's basically being insubordinate yes. as opposed to a guy who's upset about playing time uh, because everybody who's not playing a lot should be upset about playing time in the NFL. Yes, and there's 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 two components. It's, well, actually three if you, if you kind of look at it bigger picture. There's the component of refusing to go back into a football game in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, that's insubordination. There's the quitting on your team aspect, which Mike Jarecki brought up there on the podcast. Arizona Football Daily, by the way. Can be heard daily. And where can you find that? On our Twitter accounts. Yeah. Spotify. Oh. Apple. 
wherever you find your favorite podcast. Wow. <laughs> Daily? Wherever, wherever you find your least favorite Daily. podcast. Daily. Yes. <laughs> yes. After you're, after you're, you're done. All there. When you're done listening to the Bickley Murata Obviously. Podcast. Actually, I and prefer it, after 6 p.m. when all the days the day great programming here at 98.7 is completed. That's right. Um, but the third, so the third, the third, the third, yeah, hey, listen, <laughs> you, you got to know where your bread's buttered all over the place. Um, the third component there, and Mike alluded to it too, just didn't know the level of the confrontation. Mm-hmm. But there was also, in addition to not going back into the game, refusing to go back into the game, there was also a confrontation with the assistant coach. Mike said he didn't know if it was physical or not. But some sort of confrontation with the coach. So now you have you have quitting on your team, not going, refusing to go into the game, and then a confrontation with an assistant coach. Yeah, that explanation actually makes a hell of a lot more sense to me. And I knew, and I'm sure many people came to the same conclusion that when you cut a guy immediately, mm-hmm. it had to be bad. A guy who had been starting for you just weeks prior. Yes. Yeah. Do you think it would have to be physical? For him to have been cut, I know MJ said he didn't know, but I don't want to speculate in case it wasn't physical, well, Sarah. But I, I would let me say this: if it was physical, that would lend itself to even a severe and swifter termination, like yes. zero discussion. But even if you eliminate the altercation from the discussion, anyway, let's just focus on the refusal. Right, to Eno, go, go yeah. back in the game. You're a second string running back who was a seventh round draft pick three years ago. Get in the game. You're told to go in the game. That's your job. Get in the game. What are you doing? And you're gonna you're gonna pout and whine and complain that you were not playing enough earlier. So now you're gonna Scotty Pippen this thing and refuse to go back in the game. I mean, are you kidding me? Who do you think you are? <laughs> and now you're in the football purgatory known as Houston, Texas. Wasn't that an issue with Kyler Murray against the Rams two seasons ago? Isn't that something that we got him on to? Was it the last game of the season, second to last? It well, was the last game of the season. We don't know that he refused anything. Yeah, I, I think that was the like, guy who sits in that chair. About it. He suggested it several times since since that event. I, it's never been widely reported. It's never been acknowledged by anybody from the Cardinals organization. But to answer your question, Sarah, Kyler Murray, top overall pick, future franchise quarterback, I'm not saying it's right because, you know, you should treat your uh, teammates or members of a team should be treated the same. They're not. They're not. Of course not. not. Nor, let's really be real, they shouldn't be. Kyler Murray could refuse to go into the game, turn around, and punch Cliff Kingsbury in the face, and he probably would not. Well, he might do that on Monday. (laughs) He would not. But also, the other element involved in that Kyler discussion. And it would not be on hard knocks. I'm not defending it. (laughs) Oh, our camera. I was changing my battery. It's crazy. There was an injury involved as well. It wasn't like, hey, Kyler, go back in the game, and he was 100% healthy. He had missed a substantial portion of that game. And. Yeah. Apparently, the the hemming and hawing was due to you know. Do, do you do you take a shot? Do you go back in the game? Right. When, Is it when even are you worth do it? this? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm I'm not saying that they're parallel at all, but that's just what I, came to mind. I I still think that the physical altercation had to happen because otherwise, wouldn't he have been suspended? Wouldn't he have been fined? Like he wouldn't have been released the next day if all it was was he refused to go in a game. But we also, again, are not privy to the everyday happenings in the locker room or on the practice field. Was this just was this something boiling with Eno Benjamin 
Uh, there was the, nothing but praise for him, though, there for was, weeks that, and weeks That was an weeks. odd part of it. Um, and I'm, it, just because, you know, Benjamin played three years of college football in, in Arizona here with ASU, I'm not going to sit here and say I know him as a person. I don't. Jared, I that, heard that, great things. That would be almost a great question for Steve Kime pertaining to not only not forgetting no Benjamin, just if you were sitting down with Steve Kime, like Steve, in theory, if a player ever refused to go into a game, is that a... Is that a, an immediate termination in your mind? <laughs> and then the follow-up question from Steve Kine would be, who's the player? <laughs> because of what we just outlined. Right. Your status I, on the team matters. I, I His remember, answer I, would be, a, we wish him the best in Houston. A, a, <laughs> quick, a quick story, and, and Kurt Warner, if you're listening, in the car, I remember the story when Kurt Warner was in Packer training camp. And he was like the fourth or fifth quarterback, and they were going through camp reps. Do you, do you know this story, Vinny? They were going I through. I think I've heard this. They book. were going through camp reps, and Mike Holmgren, after he got through Favre and Brunel and Detmer, and he, he said, "Hey, put the rook in." Yeah. And Warner refused to go in because he didn't feel he was ready. That was in the movie. Oh, was it was in the it, movie? Was it not? I didn't see the movie. I got to see the movie. Oh. I know, Kurt Warner. If you're listening in oh your car, my goodness. I, I hope you're not listening in the car. No, 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 no. It's on the docket for Christmas Eve. We're gonna have the whole family together. Christmas to watch Eve. It. Yeah. 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 It's been on the it's been on the calendar for a long time. <laughs> for, for two years, we've um, been saving it just for that moment because yeah. it's such a great family film. Well, we couldn't afford to see it in the uh, theaters. Mm-hmm. I saw it, I saw it once in the theaters, and uh, I believe that that's so. Anyway, was that in the, movie? in the movie? Okay, yes. there you go. So, but that was that that was the end of his Packer career. Mm-hmm. Refusing to go into a training camp rep situation was uh, a, a terminal. Offense. So, would going in, refusal to go into a game for a backup, backup, backup kind of player? Yeah, I mean, similarities, yes, but in the heat of a of a real NFL game, that's pretty inexcusable for anybody to do that. That's if, what I mean. If you're healthy. That's what I mean. That's just yeah. That's that that that'll get you cut. Well, we wish them the best in Houston. Uh, all this week, listen to Wolf and Luke. Actually, today's the last day. When you hear a wolf do the Pantera call-out, call 602-260-9870 for your chance to win tickets to see Metallica with Pantera. That's happening September 1st at State Farm Stadium. Coming up next, it's been a whirlwind so far for Kenny Dillingham in his first weeks on the job as the new head coach at ASU. We'll get into what's happening with the program. And this transfer portal business next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings. Timmering in for Bick here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Soul. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. But you keep saying that this is this is your dream job. You don't want to go any, anywhere else. No, it's my dream job. So you my... cannot picture yourself, even with success, leaving ASU at any point. I cannot right now picture myself with success leaving Arizona State. I would always think that if, if somebody had that success, then somebody would want that coach. And I want that. I want somebody to want ASU's coaches because that would mean winning. That would mean the programs are winning and having success. You see where I'm going? I agree 100%. And I hope I get called every other year for a job. And I can tell all these recruits, look, I'm making the same decision you have to make right now. And I'm choosing to stay. Why not you? 
Simple as that. So you're no matter what, you're staying. This is home. Oh man, Gambo's holding Kenny Dillingham's feet to the fire. I'm say, in his we have audio now that <laughs> is <can't> indisputable. <laughs> right, Kenny Dillingham, the new head coach of Arizona State football, was in the studio for three segments on Wednesday with Burns and Gambo. That was a part of it, and a reiteration from Kenny Dillingham. Uh, you know that this is his dream job. I believe him. I think that's one of the things that stood out in the introductory press conference was his energy and love for this institution that he graduated from and was once a part of the uh, the, the coaching staff. I mean, great, but the guy's the guy hasn't even had a practice yet. No. What if Alabama calls? <laughs> Seriously, we've had we these discuss- in-state recruits, and we're like, he's never leaving. Yeah, we, we we've had these discussions uh, about <laughs> ASU. Ask Greg Byrne what happens when Alabama calls. Yeah. Uh, and anybody who's listened to the show or anybody on this show can tell you how much I hate the application of the phrase ASU football is a sleeping giant. I hate it. You can only sleep for so long and then you're considered clinically dead. Or at least in a coma. But the key to any a, a, a program like Arizona State in any sport, for them to be perennial winners... You have to have that coach who is willing to shun those offers from others. And there's two examples in the state historically that we've seen, not in football, but in basketball. Lute Olson went to Arizona, took over a terrible basketball program at Arizona. And everybody and their brother, every year, tried to get Lute Olson. Kentucky, the big boys, kept calling. He turned Arizona into a big boy. Because of his choice to stay and build a program. The NBA also. He turned down. Yes. Um, women's basketball. Charlie Turner Thorne had so many job offers during her tenure as the head coach of Arizona State women's basketball. Chose to stay and built a program that has a real culture now. That's what has to happen. It doesn't happen very often. Um, and I know on the subject that, that Gambo was grilling Kenny Dillingham on right there, there's some fear. With any anytime there's an ASU football coaching hire, it's like, well, can you get that guy? What if he has, up and comer? If he has success, he's going to leave. That's a good problem to have, and that's only happened once in the last forty years in this program since John Cooper, Cooper. left for Ohio State. So that's why it. so why worry about that? You, I, you I, 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 that's my thing. It, first of all, that would be a really good problem to have. That Kenny Dillingham is so great. And ASU football is so fantastic mm-hmm. that the big boys are coming after. Kenny Dillingham. That would be a wonderful problem to have a few years down the road. My concern right now is can Kenny Dillingham fix what is broken and how long is it going to take? That's my concern. The immediate, the here and the now. Let's worry about whether or not Kenny Dillingham is going to go to Florida State mm-hmm. well, just, or, or Alabama to replace Nick Saban in eight years. Let's just, worry about that later. And just to finish on, on that point, that topic, we kind of lived through it a few years ago with Bobby Hurley. Yes. Where Bobby Hurley had a, a couple of years where he had ASU doing really, really well. And everybody was saying, well, that, you know, this offer here, this offer there, he's going to well, be the next coach of this. And it was that also and coinciding and, with the end of Mike Krzyzewski's right. run at Duke that everybody was waiting for. And that list of, you know, Mike Krzyzewski players who became coaches, he was at the top of that list. You're right. And it was the idea that there's no way Bobby Hurley's going to stick around at ASU. Yeah. And here he is. He's, he's, He's doing, to a degree, what I think a lot of ASU football fans are hoping Kenny Dillingham can do. 
do, in football. Do you think that Bobby Hurley stuck around, though, because he lost out on options to go elsewhere? No, Bobby, uh, Bobby Hurley just happened to dip at the wrong time yes. when I Coach believe, K stepped away. I believe that, too. And would anybody have had a problem if Bobby Hurley replaced Coach K at Duke? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Good grief. Yeah. Right. That's his dream job, probably. Although, there's a lot of pitfalls. There would be a lot of pitfalls. To taking yeah, over come, for Mike Krzyzewski. Yeah, but come on. Of course he's going to go to that job. Don't have to fight for a new Nobody's going to blame him Yeah, the other that. news with ASU football yesterday, and Gambo broke this uh, yesterday, and you can read more about it on ArizonaSports.com. Emery Jones, the uh, quarterback who started most of the year for the Sun Devils, entering the transfer portal. Uh, my level of shock is under zero on this. Emory Jones was a guy who came to Arizona State because he saw an opportunity to play. Yeah, and start. He played at Florida. He the writing was on the wall. They're handing the the offense over to Anthony Richardson. He wanted to play football, and I think that's still what applies. I don't think it's anything against you know a, a lack of belief in Kenny Dillingham. Emory Jones has got one year of eligibility left, and he wants to play more football, and he'll find an opportunity to go f- compete for a job somewhere. I don't. I don't think, it, and I don't mean this is a knock on Emory Jones either. He was put in a really tough situation, and he did his best. But I don't think it's a big loss. One will go out of the portal, and one will come back. Which in. has already happened with Jacob Conover coming over, and now he's in that pecking order of guys uh, that are trying to compete for a job. Conover was a backup at BYU. Yes, and probably will. I would. I would assume would back up Trenton Borgay next year. He may plan on. Being more, I would assume you get a look see in spring to maybe win that job. Yeah, but I would say Trenton Borgay probably has the leg up in a competition like that. Are they going to bring in another quarterback from the portal? Probably not, but who knows? They might. They might. Yeah. Um, Kenny Dillingham in his visit with Burns and Gambo also talked about the transfer portal, which you know ASU has been all over this and players leaving, players coming in. Uh, a lot of former Arizona high school players coming back to play for Kenny Dillingham. But he talked here about uh, one of the weaknesses of the transfer portal as it exists. The portal doesn't help everybody. And I think it's it's sad because there's a lot of kids who go to the portal and it hurts them. And I think the portal's great because I think the portal hurts people. It hurts and it, pro- it protects players that were lied to in the recruiting process to get you to a school. So I think the portal is great because it holds coaches accountable to tell kids the truth. But where it hurts is when kids get frustrated and leave for not good reasons and find themselves stuck without a home. And I think we have to find a way to help those kids that make one poor decision in their life and now have a, you know, they're out of a scholarship. We got to find a way to protect those kids because they're still 18 to 22 year old kids. Yeah, yeah. Still, this thing is still in its infancy and I think it's, uh, it's all about finding a balance. But Kenny Dillingham's point is correct. I mean, you will, if you're a, a football, high football recruit, you'll hear some things that are going to pump you up. And they're going to get you to a program, and then once you're there, a lot of a lot of coaching regime, regimes that attitude changes. We got you, now you're ours, and, and and now you're not coveted anymore. We've got you, so I'm, I'm not wooing you anymore. It does protect those players, but um, it, I don't think the transfer portal can continue to exist in its current form and have it be good for college football. No, and let me expound on what Kenny was saying there. We talked about the the NIL element of the portal and how it provides an avenue for for bad actors dangling NIL money and tampering. Like, I don't know, maybe Michigan and Ladarius Henderson 
<laughs> oh. The guy goes into the portal. What? The you, guy, you didn't Sarah, think no, that you, all came together in 12 hours? Sarah, you missed it. You were sick. The guy, the I guy, didn't miss it. The, I saw. The guy entered the portal from Ann Arbor. <laughs> I did I did not miss it. And uh, I might anyway, have seen that. But, but, but what Kenny's specifically talking about there, and th- this is something I want, I want to talk about, just being around college athletics for a long, long time. College athletes, when they're going through school, there's a large number of kids who, to a certain degree, are, are, are unhappy. And, and hear, hear me out. They're unhappy with playing time when they're younger. They're, they're going through it with school, and they're homesick to a certain degree. And they always feel like, to a certain extent, the grass might be greener at other schools, and their buddies are having a better time, because that's just kind of a natural progression when you're... At, at that age sure. and you're growing up and you always kind of think that somebody else has it better than you and kids used to have to stick it out and when they came out the other end they always said man I'm glad I did I'm glad I did but now because of the portal they don't have to stick it out and they're jumping they're jumping at the first chance they get and it's easy for them and that's what Kenny's talking about there now. Yes. And that's the problem because it's easy now for a kid to take the easy route and jump into the portal instead of sticking it out. It is, but I don't have a problem with the, those kids that do it once. I have a problem with the JT Daniels of the world who are entering the portal again and looking for a fourth school to play at and making these outlandish demands on what he wants to play for that school. Did he, I mean, did, did you hear what he asked for from Oregon State? His own chef? I, uh, he wanted yeah. a chef and a four-bedroom house, and they're Six like, no, nah, you're good. Maybe yeah. if you were better at quarterbacking, we would consider yeah. it, but he's not even that good. And take out the green M&Ms. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Here's my writer. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, the transfer portal in NIL is basically, basically becoming like a concert writer. <laughs> I mean, it's it's... There's, listen, you can't just paint a broad, broad brush with every kid, mm-hmm. but there's some merit to, like, trust me when I tell you, there's some merit to what I'm saying about kids. Oh, I, I know. Just, there, there, there's a lot of college kids that are unhappy. Absolutely. When they're, when they're in a program. And they have an option. Basketball and football that need to stick it out that now will not. Sarah will take us through the Rush Hour reboot, the big stories of the day next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting, Arizona built for America's dreams. No, I told you, she did not get fired. She's here. We tried to tell you. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Neither did Bickley. (laughs) Yeah. All still gamefully employed. Uh, Welcome back to Bickley Emirata Mornings, everyone, here on Arizona Sports. This is the Rush Hour Reboot. We take you through the top stories of the day at this time, every single day. I am Sarah Cazell with Tim Ring and for Dan Bickley. Knock on wood if you're with me, man. Oh! Yes! Vince Murata. Can you still legally quote John Gruden? Yeah. I'll tell you what, what, man. I'll tell you what, man. (laughs) That was funny. We're going to play the game, man. Did you play your thing already, Vince? It's so quiet. I I can do it again. Yeah, please. The bishop wore buttless chaps to the bat mitzvah. Bat mitzvah. Ah, I'm so glad you played it again. Me too. And then Jared Carlin. (laughs) Shut up, you whiny pudge. (laughs) Was he talking to you, Jared? No. What is it about Luca? Luca, you can't prove that. <laughs> All right, let's get into our top stories of the day. It's, uh, 
pretty pretty sad week of Suns basketball. Two lifeless performances against the Mavs and the Celtics this week. Uh, and now they've got the Pelicans tonight. These two teams own the top two records in the West. And of course, this is a rematch of a very feisty first round of the playoffs last season. Mm-hmm. Here is Devin Booker after the Celtics loss on Wednesday night, or the loss to the Celtics, I should say, talking about how the Suns can respond after those two bad losses. I mean, today makes two in a row, so, you know, it's just a, it's a different energy. Um, you know, we understand we have to fix some and we have to handle business, so... Um, we have a long flight to New Orleans tomorrow. Um, we have time to regroup and think about it. And, you know, it feels like that game should count for two losses. But, you know, good thing it's only still one. But, you know, I feel like we're at the meat of our schedule. We have some pretty good matchups still coming up. And, you know, we have to be ready to go. All right. Let's make it simple. What are you guys hoping to see from the Suns tonight against the Pelicans? Get their mojo back to steal Tim Ring's line. Yeah. Um, you know. A win would be great to calm, uh, I think, a lot of feelings. They're going to go up against a team in New Orleans that's not completely put together from a health standpoint. Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones out. Jose Alvarado, the 38-point scorer, is questionable. So they might be a little bit marginalized from a roster standpoint. But you know, when Monty Williams comes out after the Boston game and says, that was not Phoenix Suns basketball, and it's rare that I say that, it is rare. And it's rare to see it. So just get back to playing Suns basketball tonight. i like to see Chris Paul, now that he's back, maybe assert himself a little bit as a leader, uh, as a scorer again. And even before the injury, gang, I mean, he was that was not his game. Right. But maybe a little bit more of that to Tonight. But I also think, Vinny mentioned Mojo. We were talking about that earlier, Sarah. Do you guys ever see the movie Boiler Room? Yes. Remember the no. Ben Affleck scene? Yes. When he walked in there and said, act as if. I want the Suns to walk into that arena tonight and act as if. Act as if they're the Phoenix Suns again. Take no crap from nobody. DeAndre and Mikel Bridges, act like you're one of the best teams in the NBA. I like that. Play with that kind of swagger and confidence and go out there and get a W. Mm -hmm. Because they can do it, obviously. Spoiler alert, they shut down that whole firm in Boiler Room, by the way. They got raided. What is the movie Boiler Room about? Uh, a shop shop. Yeah. Do you ever see Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. Isn't it? Isn't it a similar? Basically. Similar, yeah. Yeah. Except not based on a true story. Oh. Yeah. Shady stock dealings. Act as if. <laughs> All right, let's get to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, we got our first true injury report of the week yesterday as the Cardinals were getting ready for their second Monday night football matchup of the season against the New England Patriots. Four guys, four key guys. I should say, who did not participate in yesterday's practice. DeAndre Hopkins listed with an illness. Rondale Moore with a groin issue. He missed uh, the Cardinals' last game against the Chargers. Byron Murphy Jr. with a back issue. He's been out for a little over a month now. And then Rashad Coward is dealing with a chest issue. Here is Vance Joseph, the Cardinals' DC, talking about uh, how it's tough to have a late bye when you're not winning games. You know, if you're winning, everyone's spirits high. Everyone wants to come to work. And if you're not winning, it's tough. You know, so having a late bye and 
you know, obviously, you know, right now for us, this is, you know, let's, let's play again so we can win, you know, but um, it doesn't matter much, you know, the mindset goes through winning and losing, you know, that's, that's what players and coaches really, you know, uh, feed off. All right. So whose absence of those four guys would be most concerning to you for Monday against New England, either because of what if they would bring, what they would bring uh, in the matchup against the Patriots or in Byron Murphy Jr.'s case, a more prolonged absence? What's most concerning to you or who is most concerning to you? Um, well, obviously DeAndre Hopkins, yeah, depending Hopkins on the illness. But I, my answer, I would expect him to be able to go. Um the Murphy thing, sound, I mean, it sounds like it's getting closer to a return for Murphy, but the defense has played okay in his absence. Um, I'd love to have him back, but yeah, my answer is Hopkins on that. And if if Rondell Moore can't go again after getting the benefit of a bye week mm-hmm. with this groin yeah. tweak, I mean, sooner or later... I mean, you got to start questioning durability with this kid, lots right? Of, lots of groin injuries, lots of hamstring injuries. Tweak this, tweak that. No. Tweak me, tweak you. <laughs> <laughs> He's coming through with the quotes today. All right, not from Boiler Room. No? Okay. Uh, Finally, Brittany Griner is back on U.S. soil as of this morning. She is undergoing medical evaluation at the Brook Army Medical Center. Uh, That's the same place that American Trevor Reed went when he was freed from Russia in a prisoner swap this spring. I know you guys reacted to this news because it broke early yesterday morning, but last night, uh, for those who have not seen it yet, Brittany Griner's agent released a statement. The agent wrote that she and Griner are forever grateful for the work that the U.S. government did on their behalf, and she wrote that now that their eyes have been opened to this process and just how complicated it can be, she writes that she and Griner now want to uh, use their time and their efforts to shine a light on other detained Americans abroad in an effort to get them home as well. Here's a quote from Griner's agent. BG and our coalition of activist athletes will ensure that silence is no longer an option. Your stories will be told. Your loved ones' names will be known. And you will be reunited because bringing our people home is a moral issue that matters to this administration. It should matter to all Americans. Your guys' reaction to that? I, I totally agree. And I, I know people came up earlier in the show that, you know, some of the reaction to Brittany Griner's release yesterday was, well, how do you leave a Marine and Paul Whelan behind who's been there longer? And. You know, yesterday was a good day for Brittany Griner and her family. It'll be a great day when Paul Whelan gets released. And uh, Whelan's family even and made a statement in saying that President Biden and the administration, under these circumstances, did the right thing. No, they did the only thing. The did only you, thing. Uh, Biden right. said he was Whelan wasn't on the table. It wasn't yes. a choice, yeah. yeah. Per T.J. Quinn and multiple right. reports, yeah. but T.J. Quinn has not missed on yeah. on this topic. Yeah, uh, he actually just issued something about 10 minutes ago. Administration officials said they simply could not get Russia to engage on a deal for Paul Whelan. One White House source said the U.S. even offered a one-for-one trade of Victor Boot for Whelan, but it was a non-starter with Russia. So the U.S. put that on the table, but Russia said it's, no. it's really a shame. Uh, you really feel for that guy because he's been there for now multiple different presidential mm-hmm. yes know, he's been there since 20 administrations administrations yeah. yes yeah. Uh, yes but 
BG and her agent saying that's that's going to be something that we work on now or we're, you know, try to, to get other people too. to get behind as well. Absolutely. Yeah. We're all rebooted. Thank you, Sarah. You Let's are rebooted. Reboot every go. morning at 7.30. Coming up next, we will get a closer look at the Cardinals' Monday night opponent, the New England Patriots. We'll talk to their play-by-play man, Bob Sosi, next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings with Tim Ring. And today, here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Sold. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. That's the Friday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings. Tim Ring in for Bick today. Cardinals getting ready for the New England Patriots on a Monday night affair in Glendale. Here to give us a closer look at the Patriots. Their play-by-play announcer, Bob Sosi, joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Bob, good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, Bob? The, the, the Patriots, a couple games ago, 6-4, and four, you know, right in the thick of things in a very tough uh, AFC East. They lose two games, two tough games. At 6-6 six and six with the picture uh, it being what it is in the AFC, do you get the feel the Patriots are treating, and they got a really tough uh, end to their schedule too, as you know, Bob, but are, are the Patriots yeah. looking at this, uh, this trip to Glendale as a, as a must-win for them? I think they have to, you know, realistically, considering where they are uh, with the games remaining. And you mentioned the schedule because after this trip, and they're going to have a short week to play the Raiders following Monday night. They'll stay in Arizona between games. Then they go back home and on Christmas Eve entertain the Bengals who are playing much like they were at the end of last Mm -hmm. season. And then they have a couple of divisional games between uh, the Pats and Miami and Buffalo. And those two teams have won eight of the last ten meetings. Uh, Two teams the Patriots dominated for a long time, and the tables have been turned. So they got a tough road ahead of them. They've been, as you I'm sure are well aware, uh, very inefficient, to put it mildly, on offense. And I think looking at the matchup, of the Pats and the Cardinals on Monday night. They've got to see that as an opportunity to try to get something going on that side of the ball especially. Uh, but there's no doubt about it. This is a playoff caliber. This is a playoff game for them in essence. Mm-hmm. Hey, Bob, you know, the, the offensive statistics in uh, more than a few categories, shall we say, are not great from where you sit, which is a pretty good seat, obviously. What do you think are some of the issues you can kind of put your finger on as you guys roll into Arizona this weekend? Well, I thought Vance Joseph uh, yesterday sounded a lot like uh, <laughs> just about everybody on the Patriots feed and even a good number of uh, callers into our flagship here in Boston on the subject of the Patriots offense when he said it looks like uh, the players are being called by a defensive coach. Uh, and you start right there. The offensive play calling the system, it's been an overhaul this year. Bill Belichick seeking to simplify things and condense things also made the very unorthodox decision to put the offense in the hands of his former defensive coordinator, Matt Patricia, and of course the former special teams coach of the Patriots, Joe Judge, both of whom have been head coaches, uh, not necessarily recognized for offensive expertise. And Matt Jones in year number two has taken a step back. They've had a lot of offensive line issues in addition to you know what hasn't been, uh, for the most part, a very innovative offense or creative offense. As Joseph said, a lot of screens. Uh, they try to play the quick game, which on the surface, I think initially going into Buffalo made some sense, but then they, they were really late and, and maybe never did make adjustments in that game. Uh, and so when I look at the Patriots offensively, you know, it, it figured to be an offense built around two running backs, Damian Harris 
and Ramondre Stevenson, who's been by far their best player. Unfortunately, Harris has been injured a lot and didn't practice yesterday. Uh, the offensive line, I think, coming into this season, you know, was a bit tenuous, and uh, they have really struggled. Isaiah Wynn, a, a first-round pick from five years ago at tackle, has been out of the lineup for the most part and has not played well after they moved him from the left side to the right side. Trent Brown uh, hasn't been the player he was in 2018. And uh, then I think, you know, you, you look at the receivers and the tight ends, and they're just not getting enough production, especially given the money they're paying, especially in the red zone. It's a very poor red zone team, a very poor third down team. You know, it's funny, Bob. Vance Joseph actually meant it as a compliment. I'm going to guess the boss. I'm going to guess the Boston callers don't mean it as a compliment. What's the what's the level of frustration in New England right now? Because let's be honest, Patriot fans they are not used to this six and six nonsense, Bob. No, uh, you know I, I, they go twelve and four, and people aren't happy. Uh, you, you know, harkening back to days not too long ago. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's funny I, when I when I heard the comment, I, I, I chuckled because. Because he sees what everybody else sees, but uh, you know you don't usually hear a, a coach say that. And you're absolutely right; I don't think he's saying that <laughs> in a negative way. Uh, but it certainly uh, is consistent with what a lot of people have been seeing here. And the frustration, in, in fact, and I think this is this is why it, it really resonates uh, with me. The frustration has been spoken not just by fans and talk show hosts; it's been expressed by players. And it really went back in veiled ways for the most part. But nonetheless, uh, it was said uh, in, in various instances, on the record, off the record, according to reports back in training camp. It seemed like things had started to turn in a different direction. They they moved the ball in a couple of games back-to-back, particularly against Minnesota before they faded in the fourth quarter there. But then after this last game against Buffalo, you know, Kendrick Bourne, a player who, who's really fallen out of favor for whatever reason and has had a role reduced after a career season last year, uh, spoke out about uh, the, the scheme and expressed his frustration. There was the shot that's been replayed uh, yeah. any number of times of Matt Jones getting up upset on the bench and, and yelling whatever uh, expletives uh, he did regarding the quick game uh, and his frustration about not being more aggressive as the Buffalo contest really started to get out of hand. Uh, so the frustration is there, and it's been spoken, as I said, not only by fans but by uh, by. Uh, players and, and it certainly is. I think it's picked up a lot of momentum as the team has really struggled to play. Bob Sosi, the uh, play-by-play announcer for the uh, New England Patriots, our guest here on Arizona Sports. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I think part maybe part of the frustration too with Patriots fans this year, Bob, is that defense is pretty good and a couple of guys up front, Matt Judon and, and Josh Uche, have been fantastic. Can you just give us a little thumbnail on, on what the Patriots are going to offer the Cardinals on that side of the ball? Yeah, Judon is having another Pro Bowl year for them. You know, and I, I referenced the lack of production for guys they've paid big money to on offense. You know, they gave really, I think, outsized contracts in free agency last year to Aguilar and Henry and Johnny Smith, for example. The one free agent signing, though, that has really paid off for them is Matthew Judon. Twelve and a half sacks last year. He's got 13 this year. Uh, Uche has really come on of late. He's had a couple of multi-sack games in the last few weeks. And he's a guy with tremendous athletic ability and, 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 the, and the talent to rush the passer coming out of Michigan. Big problem for him, though, is... is been a lack of health, uh, but we've seen him, you know, really kind of show what people expected from him all along uh, here in the season number three of the last few weeks, as I mentioned. But I think it'll be interesting to see how they try to defend Kyler Murray with his mobility. Uh, 
a couple of times they got uh, position out of, out of position against Josh Allen, and he made them pay. And, you know, with Belichick often, uh, if you don't maintain your integrity, or you better uh, as a defensive player. Uh, and I th- have to think that's going to be an emphasis in this case. Maybe not try to get upfield and, and sack Murray, but at least uh, try to force him to, to diagnose coverages from the pocket. Uh, they've got a couple of guys on that side of the ball that I think are critical to them. Jalen Mills did not play last week. He did not practice yesterday uh, with a groin injury. Uh, they've got a couple of young players they've been using a lot more, including Arizona State's Jack Jones, a rookie who's made some plays early in the season, but I think he's been exposed a little bit. And it's going to be interesting to see how they try to match up uh, with the Cardinals' receivers. Jonathan Jones has been their best cornerback, but he was exposed a little bit uh, by Justin Jefferson and then Stephon Diggs. And, you know, Hopkins certainly is, is in that ballpark, yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I got a feeling that, you know, the Patriots are going to have their hands full uh, if, if uh, Arizona gets something going. I know they've been up and down offensively for the most part with a lot of injuries. But, uh, you know, the Patriots defense kind of let them down as well uh, in those situational spots against Buffalo last week. Hey, Bob, I don't know if you know it, but we, we had the Celtics here on Wednesday. The Bruin, yeah. Bruins are here tonight, Patriots here on Monday. So any New Englander who was savvy enough to check the schedules is out here having a hell of a week, going to games, playing golf. Scottsdale's officially out of beer already. I got one, I got one more for you though. And take this, Please. take this 80% fun, 20% serious. Why am I seeing so much smoke billow? about Brady coming back to New England next year. Tell me about that, Bob. Why is smoke, why is smoke starting to billow? Give me something, Bob. Give me, give me anything. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I don't know if Brady is, uh, you know, is infallible uh, uh, or, you know, is, is, is up there with the Pope. Uh, per se, but uh, you know, in, in, in these parts, uh, he may even rank higher. Uh, maybe he's a deity uh, <laughs> with the people in these parts. So I think, I think you know, especially uh, watching him last week is an example. I mean, watching him in the Super Bowl with Tampa Bay after the Patriots had gone seven and nine uh, with the offense they had in 2020, and uh, you know, you're looking at the offense this year, and then watching Brady and uh, his heroics at the end of the game against New Orleans, I can I can understand why people are longing for that and clamoring for that. I don't see it, uh, frankly, but then again, I didn't see him ever playing for the Buccaneers. I, I knew it was a possibility and a strong one that he might leave, but I just didn't think that marriage you know, would ever be consummated, and, and here we are uh, with, with Brady yeah, 45 still going strong yeah. with, frankly, a, a disappointing Tampa Bay team to date. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's desperation, I think, for a lot of people, real frustration. I think anger, frankly, and in, in, in a lot of cases, rightfully so, over the way it ended, you know, with Brady essentially being allowed to walk out the door. And, and uh, you know, I think that uh, it's, it's, it's a, a part of the everyday dialogue here, guys, frankly. Honestly, even before he left, the conversation, who was more important on the basis side, mm-hmm. the head coach or the quarterback. And, and, and so I got a lot, you have a lot of smoke uh, that's being, uh, uh, you know, signals being uh, sent up uh, to the sky uh, from fans and from media. And, you know, and, and uh, who knows, maybe some people around the organization. Yeah. Bob, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Great to talk to you. Uh, really enjoy the insight. Hi guys, I appreciate it. Thank Thanks a lot. Bob Sosi, the play-by-play announcer for the New England Patriots, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, Sun starting a road trip in New Orleans. Can we start to see the Chris Paul of old on this trip? We'll get into that and more Suns talk next. 
Bickley and Murata mornings here on this Friday on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.